Energy.com. The energy. So the barber trims my beard all nice, like an artist. Now, I didn't tell him to do that. I wanted the beard gone. So then I went home and shaved it off completely after I was done. I felt horrible. The passion. Rafael Devers has the biggest contract in franchise history. He needs to be a leader for this Red Sox team. The opinions on all your favorite teams. Are the Patriots close to playoff contention? Yes. Are they close to Super Bowl contention? Hell no. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in on a Wednesday on the Brady Farkas Show, brought to you by Fecto Homes, your total home solution in Montpelier. You can see the banner behind me if you're watching on video. We've got a short show today. We're up until 6-10. Then the Red Sox, tough loss yesterday. My goodness, I turned the Red Sox off at 8-0. I came back to them, saw them get on the board. It was 8-3. I turned it away again, and then all of a sudden Twitter's going crazy, and they're back into the game, and it's eight, it's 9-7, 9-8. And I'm like, okay, 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 they're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to come back from 8 nothing down. And they lose 9-8. We go up till 6-10. Red Sox will try to do it again and try to rectify that against the uh, Reds today. First pitch is 7-10. James Paxton's on the mound. I spoke to Tom Karen of Nesson earlier. If you want baseball conversation from TC, that is already up on our podcast channel. TC was great. He was actually also at Game 7 of the Celtics and Heat series, so he gave some perspective on that. So we spoke for almost 20 minutes today because I knew we are going to speak to Freddie Coleman live here in about 15 minutes. I knew that Freddie was going to be on live, so TC I put on the podcast channel. We went a little longer, so feel free to go and find that. TC was great, as TC is always great. You can get in on the text line, 802-585-3026. 802-585-3026. Everybody, let go. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Yeah, Freddie Coleman will be with us in about 15 minutes. Patriots were on the field today at OTAs. We'll do some of that tomorrow. Well, interesting stuff from Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, Matthew Slater, and others. But I actually want to start today by answering a listener question. Phil and Middlesex sent in a good question not that long ago, about an hour and a half ago. I had to completely alter the show plan because I want to answer Phil's question. He says, Brady, what if the Celtics trade Jason Tatum and keep Jalen Brown? The Celtics will get a better return. Um, You're right. Phil is right. If the Celtics traded Jason Tatum, they would get a better return for a couple of different reasons. One, Jason Tatum is just slightly younger, right? But a year in athletic circles makes a difference. So Tatum is younger. Tatum is seen as the better player. Tatum is um, he's, he's more highly regarded, so therefore he's more marketable to your fan base. And he's under contract longer than Jalen Brown is, right? I believe Jalen Brown has one year left and Jason Tatum has two. And when they get eligible for the uh, the Supermax deal is actually a year before they're free agents. So Jason Tatum has more value as a trade piece than Jalen Brown. Phil is 100% right. The question is, why would you hold on to Tatum over Brown? Or why can't you trade Tatum, Phil wants to know. Let me ask you that. Let me tell you this, Phil. I have never dated 
two women at the same time. Okay, I've never done that, but I've seen it on TV, right? Like I've wa- I was watching Friends yesterday, and Joey Tribbiani's dating two women at the same time, right? We see this all the time in TV. Some of you have probably done it. I've never done it, but I can imagine this. Let, let's take, let's say, let's see here. Let's say that you're dating two women, and and both women are great. They're both awesome, right? They're both smart. They're both funny. They both have good jobs. They're both beautiful. You really like them both. But when it comes down to choosing which one do you want to be with, let me make it pretty easy for you. One really likes you, and one, you're not really sure if they like you. So you're going to take the sure thing, aren't you not? That's why you can't trade Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is the sure thing. It's that, it's that simple, okay? that It's that simple. Like Tatum is better. Tatum is seen as better, but also... Tatum loves Boston. He has spoken well of Boston. He has spoken well of the crowd. He has spoken well of the fans. He's talked about being one of them. He's talked about being welcomed there. Jalen Brown hasn't done that stuff. That simple. Hey, I can't trade Jason Tatum because I run. if I trade Jason Tatum, I run the risk of losing a great player and ending up with a mopey superstar who wants out soon anyways. Jalen Brown does not love Boston. At least as much as Jason Tatum does. It's that simple. That's why you can't trade him. Other texter says, I wouldn't trade Tatum unless you get Victor Wembenyama. That's the kid out of uh, out of France who's going to be the number one pick in the draft. He's going to go to San Antonio. Another texter says, you can't guarantee Brown can help lead the team to the Eastern Conference Finals every year. I don't know that either of them on their own are a guarantee. I think Tatum is more likely. But again, the simple answer is, Jason Tatum wants to be there. Jalen Brown, I don't know if he does. So you've got these two people you're dating, right? It could be work if you're dating two men, right? You've got two people who are great. They have all the qualities you love. One of them really loves you, and the other of them kind of tolerates you. I'm going to go with the one who really loves me. Boom. That's simple. Wipe my hands of it. Now, there's the question of whether or not you should trade either of them, but if you are going to trade one of them, Jalen Brown's the one to be traded. And Jalen Brown is so fascinating because we have to figure out what Jalen Brown wants, and I just don't know. Again, we, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. L- let's examine the parties involved here. I believe Jason Tatum wants Jalen Brown. That goes a long way. He said the other day publicly, it's really important to get Jalen Brown back here. So your your best player, your superstar, your franchise centerpiece, he wants this guy. That carries a lot of weight. I believe the Celtics want Jalen Brown for a couple of reasons. They want him because Tatum wants him, and you want to keep your stars happy. They want him because they can't fathom breaking up a core of two young players in their mid-20s that good. And they can't fathom finding a, you know, drafting a replicate of Jalen Brown. And you don't break up homegrown core. So I think the Celtics want Jalen Brown. Question is, what does Jalen Brown want? Does Jalen Brown want out of Boston that bad that he doesn't care about the Supermax? Does Jalen Brown want to go be his own guy? Does he want to get out from Tatum's shadow? Does he want to carry a franchise on his own? I was watch I was listening and watching a lot of coverage on the Celtics recently and I think it was said perfectly 
here by... This one was by Emmanuel Acho, the former NFL player who's on Fox Sports 1. Here is what Acho said about Brown and Tatum, and he makes a very compelling argument. You have to break up the duo of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's time to break it up for this reason. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are in this unofficial standoff for who's supposed to be the leader of the team. And Jason Tatum is such a nice guy, and Jalen Brown is such a good player, that it's not clear-cut to Jalen Brown, who is the best player on that team. Hmm. As a result, there's a constant tug-of-war for who should be best. I think of it most nearly as this, and this might be fascinating when y'all hear it. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. Both on the same squad, both drafted to the Supersonics, but nobody within those two, at least you couldn't tell Russell Westbrook who was the best player. So I'm I'm not willing to go as, like, I don't know as well the history of the Thunder and, and Durant and Westbrook and all that, but it is very interesting. I think that Jalen Brown thinks he's just as good as Jason Tatum, and I think that Jalen Brown wonders what he could be if he were given the leash that Jason Tatum has, if he, if he was given the freedom that Jason Tatum has. I heard somebody else say at the end of games, these two are kind of looking at each other like, who's the leader of the team? Is it me or is it you? It's my turn. It's your turn. I think Jalen Brown's a little bit tired of that. I think Jalen Brown's a little bit sick of that. I, I just, again, he might stay. Like I want to I make sure I establish that crystal clear. Jalen Brown might stay. He, he could get $295 million from the Celtics. He cannot get that deal from anybody else. Money-wise, significantly better in Boston. He can also get five years in Boston. He can only get four everywhere else. So he very well might stay. But I want to know how he feels because I can also envision a world where he wants to go. Texter says, would you trade Jalen Brown and Robert Williams for Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert? No, I would not trade both of them for both of those players. Ironic, though, that you say this because I'm going to talk about with Freddie Coleman in a few minutes. I saw a couple of Jalen Brown trade possibilities out there. One of them involves Carl Anthony Towns. I'm going to ask Freddie about those. Texter says, let's see what happens. They have a lot of trade options that will happen. Remember, they're young with Brown and Tatum. They drive me nuts, but they are talented. They are talented, but it's also been, what, like six years of this. This core has never gotten over the hump. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, this is a, my official position on this. If I am the Celtics, I am willing to trade Jalen Brown. Okay. I am willing to trade Jalen Brown, but only if I get something that is of extreme use to my team, right? Kind of like Ben Steiner told us yesterday, I don't want to trade Jalen Brown for a bunch of draft picks. That sets me back, okay? Jason Tatum and a couple of 19-year-olds doesn't get me closer to the title. It gets me further away. I have no interest in that. I have interest in Jalen Brown for something of extreme value, a dynamite point guard for Jason Tatum to play off of, or a dynamite big guy for Jason Tatum to play off of. Again, the health concerns are very real. But if you were talking to me about Tatum and Zion being power uh, being paired, I could be interested. The Tatum and Carl Anthony Towns pairing, 
I could be interested. Those things are at least interesting to me. But I'm not interested in Brown for a, for a bunch of draft picks. That I'm not interested in. So my official position is I will trade Jalen Brown if I'm getting something really useful that this team needs. I'm not going to trade him just for the sake of getting rid of him. I do not believe that it is that bad that you need to get rid of Jalen Brown for pennies on the dollar. It's the Brady Farkas Show brought to you by Fecto Homes here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Texter says, who stays on the bench? I'm going to st- stick with Joe Missoula, but again, like we talked about yesterday, they're going to need some help in the assistant coaching department because they lost Damon Stoudemire. They're going to lose a couple other coaches, it sounds like, to Houston to go with Ime Odoka. So it's going to be Joe Mazzula and a whole lot of empty space right now on that bench. Filling in that empty space, there's got to be a couple of serious veteran assistants. Right? If you can get a guy with some head coaching experience, great. If you can get guys with significant college experience, fine. If you can get guys uh, who, who have been NBA assistants for a decade, that's like, oh, this guy wants to know now what players Stay on the bench. Well, look, I'm not here to, to tell you about the 8th, ninth, and 10th guys. I like Hauser. I like Brogdon. I like Robert Williams when he's on the bench. They could use another shooter. Gallinari, if he comes back and is healthy, remains interesting, right? Like, if he's able to play, he could be a shooter from the outside. Now, he's going to be in his mid to late 30s. So, I mean, that's, you know, we got to monitor that coming off an ACL. But I liked Gallinari when they brought him in. They need shooters. I have no use for Pritchard anymore, and I think he has no use for Boston, so you're not going to move him for much, but I'd move him if I could. Um, you know, you need – and then you need some defenders, right? I mean, we're. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know exactly what the Celtics need to do, guys 8 through 12. I like Brogdon. I like Williams. I like Hauser. They need more shooters. Gallinari is an option. Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio is waiting for us. We're going to call Freddie next on DEV. We'll ask him some of these questions. This is former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson, and now we're back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show here on this Wednesday, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now, Freddie Coleman, ESPN radio host, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 p.m. Freddie, appreciate you being with us. How are you? I'm good, but more importantly, how are you holding up for the last 48 to 72 hours? <sighs> um, I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. There are no moral victories in professional sports. At least there usually aren't. I mean, it's nice that they came back. It's nice that they showed some heart. It's nice that they were resilient. It's nice that they played hard for each other. But ultimately, the Celtics still lost, and it's another year that's gone unfulfilled. Is it a failure? I guess you'll have to ask Giannis, but I certainly see it as a missed opportunity. It can be both. When you're a team that got to the NBA Finals last year and you had a 2-1 lead and you don't get to the NBA Finals again, I think it can be both because this team had the kind of talent that they should have gotten to the NBA Finals. They had no business being down 3 nothing to a game and very, very underrated Miami Heat team in terms of playing beyond their talent, playing with Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolster being the best coach in the NBA. But when you're an organization like the Boston Celtics, you have built that up that there's going to be winning or misery to quote Pat Wiley, who runs the Miami Heat. And with the Boston Celtics, especially getting that close last year 
and having a lead in the finals, not getting to the NBA finals, I'm with you. I think you can regard it as both a failure and a missed opportunity. You know, Freddie, if they had gotten swept and lost in four and went out with a whimper, everybody could have easily said, okay, let's blow it up, let's blow it up, let's blow it up. But they get to game seven, they do come back, then you find out, okay, Tatum got hurt on the first play. And then Brogdon's not 100%, and he's really a shell of himself. And Robert Williams is sick in Game 7. And now you can start to have some excuses for what happened at the end of the series and in Game 7. Do those excuses or those reasons make it harder for you to evaluate exactly where this team is? No, it doesn't, because I'm a big believer that win the game or lose the game. I go back to something that Jalen Brunson said after the Miami Heat beat the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And everybody's trying to talk about this, talk about that. He goes, look, here's the bottom line. We had a chance to win. We didn't get it done, period. I don't want to hear anything else. And that has to be your mentality if you're the Boston Celtics. You can use whatever you want to say why we were compromised or why we didn't get it done in Game 7. But no one wants to hear that, and nobody should want to hear that in the Celtics organization. You had a chance to win that game. You put yourself in a position to get that home court for Game 7. You find a way to get it done. The other team was able to do that. With Jimmy Butler, he was more than okay, but Caleb Martin had a tremendous game. Bam Adebayo leveled them off on the inside. So many different guys made contributions. Duncan Robinson off the bench. So no one wants to hear any excuses, and those excuses should really not be heard in that Celtics organization because they should not want to hear that either. Coaching-wise, what do you think of Joe Missoula? What do you think of his future with the Celtics? Is he going to be back? Should he be back? Well, yeah, he should be back because let's bring some memory to everybody's memory. When he was named the interim head coach of the Boston Celtics, all hell was breaking loose with Ime Adoka being fired by the Boston Celtics for what he did that was against the company policy and the team policy. Their lead assistant, Jay Hardy, had taken the Utah Jazz job. Now you've got a 34-year-old who had not been a head coach in any kind of level being thrust in that kind of situation where, okay, Joe Mazzula, keep us afloat. And for the first part of the season until January, that's exactly what he did. They had the best record in the NBA. And I firmly, firmly believe he deserves another opportunity. But now if you're the Boston Celtics, and based on what I read today by Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, they're going to lose three more assistants that are going to go yeah. follow Ime Adoka to the Houston Rockets. So if you're the Boston Celtics, if you put him in that kind of situation and he was able to overachieve more than anybody could have anticipated with all that turmoil and all that volcanic eruptions happening before the season, during the season, then why are you not putting people in place to make sure he can be better in year two because you're not doing him any favors by saying go out there and do it by yourself once again because that's essentially what happened to the Boston Celtics so it's not a question of should he be back he better be back for the Boston Celtics but if you're the Celtics organization then you better do two things to help him one find him veteran assistance that can really help him through those minefields that are going to go through in the regular season and number two pay attention to Malcolm Brogdon after they lost game seven they have to get back what made them successful last year, Brady. And that's being a tough defensive team, where they were the best defensive team until Steph Curry went nuclear in game four, five, and six for the Golden State Warriors. If you don't get back to that and find that identity, then we're going to have these same conversations next year, but maybe with a different result regarding Joe Mazzulla still being the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, their weeknights at 9 p.m. Look, there, this is a two-way street. There's what does Jalen Brown want, and there's what do the Celtics want to do with Jalen Brown. Let's start with the former. Where do you think Jalen Brown's headspace is at right now in terms of what he may want in the future? Man, that's a really good question because I go back to what he said about not being a fan of the city of Boston where he doesn't mind the organization. I believe he firmly loves the organization and loves who he plays with despite what has been speculated about him and Jason Tatum. But that was really 
not a red flag so much, Brady, but it gave me cause for concern thinking, okay, he wants to be happy playing where he lives, and if he's not happy there, then maybe that could affect his future decision. But also remember this, he is eligible for a five-year, $295 million extension. That can be a pretty hard carrot to not swallow and turn away from if you're Jalen Brown. And there are plenty of other guys that I love the city of Boston. Larry Bird was not a fan of the city of Boston when he had his Hall of Fame career. He's still revered in that city. So that is something that Jalen Brown has to really factor into his mind and really kind of clear things up. If he wants to stay in Boston, that, or that franchise and that city is going to embrace him. If that city is just too much from there, he doesn't want to deal with that outside of basketball, then that's when things get really, really sticky, what his future plans are. I was listening to a, another network earlier today, and they were floating out some hypotheticals. So I'm going to bring those hypotheticals to you. Freddie, let's play a little game of who says no here. Let's play a little game of who says no. Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard. Who says no, Celtics or Portland? I don't think anybody says no. I know that's not the right answer, but if you're the Portland Trailblazers and you know you can move on from Damian Lillard and give him a chance to go somewhere else and you can start over with a guy that's been an all-star and is one of the better players in the league, to be honest with you, that should be option three. I don't think anybody says no to that. Okay. Who says no, Memphis or the Celtics? Jalen Brown for John Morant. Boston says no. You got enough guards already. You have, and nothing against John Morant, but you got Marcus Smart, you got Malcolm Brogdon, you got Derek White. You got enough guys that right now are more trustworthy on your basketball team and court. Because John Morant is going through way too much right now. I would not want to take on somebody else's problems thinking that's going to be better in Boston. Okay. Who says no? Celtics or Minnesota? Jalen Brown for Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, if I'm the Celtics, I'm saying no to that deal. You can't trust Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not going to punish Jalen Brown for having a bad game seven where he had eight turnovers because there were plenty of times during the regular season, the playoffs, where he was tremendous for the Boston Celtics. Go back to that Philadelphia 76ers series. I like Carl Anthony Towns, but I don't like him like him enough to trade him for Jalen Brown. And I'm the Celtics, they say no. See, it's interesting you say that because that's actually the one I liked the best, ironically enough. And I understand you're absolutely right about health concerns, and I think Towns only played 29 games this year for Minnesota. But I'm like looking for somebody that Jason Tatum can play off of, and that is either a dynamite point guard or a or a dynamite big man. So the Towns one was actually the one that, that seemed to fit that the best for me. Lillard, I just feel like, makes them older and not as good defensively for a team that was already going the wrong way defensively. You like Lillard the best, though. Yeah, I like Lillard the best because Lillard can score, and I know Lillard can get the ball and make those kind of plays for himself and other people. I look at Carl Anthony Towns. You talk about that Lillard doesn't make them better defensively. Well, neither does Carl Anthony Towns. That's why they call him defense instead of defense because <laughs> there's no D when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns. And if you're going to get back to being a team that's got to defend people, that's the last guy you need when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns. There's a reason why Minnesota gave up that haul. They get Rudy Gobert, which is a foolish move anyway. But they did it because they could not trust Carl Anthony Towns in minor basketball, the successfully guard fours and fives. And in the playoff series against the Denver Nuggets, he got eaten up by everybody. Even Jamal Murray was eating his lunch in that playoff series. So if anybody can make them even worse defensively, to me it's Carl Anthony Towns more than Damian Lillard. You know, Freddie, I want to ask you something about Jimmy Butler. And you, you will know the answer to this. You have a better chance of knowing the answer to this than I do, given how plugged in you are to things nationally but I was thinking about this Jimmy Butler kind of wore out his welcome a bit in Chicago we kind of you know he got into it a bit in Minnesota and I don't remember him being like 
ultra loved in Philly. I might be wrong on that, but what I'm curious about is, was Jimmy Butler always this guy and everyone around him couldn't figure out how to play with him? Or is Jimmy Butler fundamentally changed in Miami to become more likable, a better teammate, et cetera? No, I don't think that's the case. Here's my answer to that, and it's a fair question to ask, but I think Jimmy Butler had to find the right situation with like-minded guys. And more than ever before in modern times, a lot of guys are very, very sensitive when you tell them the truth. And Jimmy Butler, they're truth-tellers, and Brady, there's him. Because if you're not doing things what he believes is the right way, what he knows is the right way, he's not just going to sit on his hands. He's not going to be the anonymous guy telling things to Agent Wojnarowski or Shams of the Athletic or Marcus Spears. He's not doing that. He's going to let you know right to your face, say, hey, you know, your way's not working. It's seen has not worked. And why we continue to play this way? And that's why Collins and Towns got in his feelings. And Andrew Wiggins got in his feelings. But then Andrew Wiggins goes to Golden State, and he said, man, now I know exactly what Jimmy Butler was talking about because that's what they do here with the Golden State Warriors. And when he, quote, unquote, wore his welcome to Philadelphia 76ers, Joel B was near tears having that guy go out the door because that's the last thing he wanted to happen because he knew that was going to be a ride-or-die guy with him. More than ever before in modern times, Jimmy Butler is the anti-modern times kind of player, especially when it comes to raising his voice about what he believes is not working. He goes to the Miami Heat, and that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted somebody to say, hey, if this is not going this way, here's why we got to change it. And when he got in his feelings one time with Eric Spolster, Eric Spolster said, hey, take a good look at me. That's not going to work here. And Jimmy Butler immediately realized he was wrong, and he said, I can't do that here because their way works and my way is not going to work here. So it's a case of finding the right situation and the right mindset where it was not the case in Chicago with Tom Thibodeau. It definitely was not the case in Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. And it was sort of the right situation in Philadelphia, but they decided they wanted James Harden instead, and that's why they or somebody else that was not him, and they paid that money to Tobias Harris. He's found the right situation in Miami where he has like-minded guys and a like-minded organization. That's been the difference. There you go. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Freddie, Red Sox baseball for us tonight, so we're on our way out of here uh, pretty quickly here. So we will uh, catch up with you in seven days. Oh, it's a pleasure, brother. Take care and be well, my friend. Will do you as well. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. We'll recap some of what Freddie had to say. Peter's pumped that Freddie likes Lillard. I like Lillard. Lillard's 33. I got Jalen Brown, who's 26. Why Do I want to trade 26 for 33 and shrink my window? No, not particularly. Okay, Towns is what I do like best, but Freddie makes very good points about defense, so maybe there just isn't an answer. Maybe there isn't commiserate value for Jalen Brown. John Morant's probably it, but I'm with Freddie. Too many issues there. We'll be right back after the CBS News update on DEV. Until you. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM at WDEVradio.com. Thanks to Freddie Coleman for joining us, as always. We'll get to the Red Sox lineups here momentarily. I want to wrap up answering another listener question. Texter says, the Heat had injuries. The Celtics should not cry about theirs. That's not what I meant. When I asked Freddie about Celtics injuries, what I was going for was this. Look, the Celtics, were they were clearly compromised 
at the end of the series, right? That's fair. We'd all admit that. The Heat were compromised as well. The Celtics were clearly compromised. Robert Williams was sick and throwing up in Game 7. Jason Tatum had the hurt ankle. And Malcolm Brogdon had the torn tendon in his arm. The Celtics pushed it to Game 7, okay? The Celtics pushed it to Game 7. Do, do those injuries, do that illness to Robert Williams, I'm wondering, does that make Celtics management look back and say, you know what, this team really is good enough, and had that stuff not happened, we would have gotten to the finals, and therefore we don't need to make any changes. That's what I'm going for. Does Brad Stevens look at it and say, you know what, man, we really were good enough. If Tatum doesn't get hurt and Williams isn't sick, we win. If Brogdon's healthy, we win. That's what I want to know. Okay, Because if they had gotten beaten in four, if they had gotten swept, you all would have been saying they need to make huge changes. If they had won this series and got to the finals, I think a lot of people would have said there's no changes necessary. But we got in the middle of that. They didn't get swept. They came back. They had limitations based on injuries and health, but they still didn't win. So now I'm wondering, where do you stand? Do you look at this and say, doesn't matter if you lose in four or seven, blow the thing up? Do you look at this and say, you know what? They still are pretty darn close. I'm not ready to pull the plug yet. That's what I want to know. For me, I'm in the exact same place that I was. I don't believe that Jalen Brown loves Boston. I'd be willing to trade him if there's a good move out there. I can't tell you that there is, right? I can't tell you there's a good move out there, okay? I mean, I'm trying to think of like, all the guys that might be available all come with questions. Lillard's question is his age. Carl Anthony Towns' question is his health and his defense. John Morant comes with character issues. Zion comes with health issues. Who else is out there that the Celtics could get that, that actually helps upgrade the roster that doesn't have a question? I, I can't think of that guy right now. Okay, there is no, There's no Donovan Mitchell available this year. James Harden's not that guy. Okay? Ben Simmons not that guy. Kyrie been there done that. Okay? Luca, last I checked, is not available. And Dallas, I'm sure, wants to keep Luca. I mean, who else is there? Paul George? Health concerns? Barely plays? I don't know. Now I'm just spitballing names. Trey Young's available. Do you want him? I don't. You heard, You know how I feel about Trey Young. I'd love for the Celtics to have. I'd love for the Celtics to have De'Aaron Fox. He's not going to be available. I'd like to know who is. Rams fam Ralph says it's a weird decision to make either way. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. That's why we're talking about it so much, right? Run it back. And you risk not getting over the hump. Blow it up, you risk being worse. Like, you could be guaranteed good, but not necessarily win. Or you could take the risk and end up being worse. I don't know. Texter says, never should have gone to seven games. Yeah, in what way? Like, you're saying the Celtics never should have been down 3 nothing and have to come back? I would agree with that. If you're saying Miami never should have folded and lost the last three? Yeah, possibly. But it did go seven games. So the question for Brad Stevens is now, well... How much do the injuries play a factor in things, and therefore how much does it change things for us moving forward?
The Reds are 25 and 29 after the win yesterday. The Red Sox are 28 and 26 after the loss. Luke Weaver's on the mound for Cincy, 1 and 2 with a 5-4-5. James Paxton for the Sox, 1 and 1 with a 5-1-4. Kevin Newman leads off at third. Matt McLean's at shortstop for Cincy. Jonathan Indy is at second. Spencer Steer is at first. Tyler Stevenson's the DH. Stuart Fairchild's in right. Nick Senzel is back in the lineup. He's in left. How about the guy Barrero, who homered yesterday? Jose Barrero hit his grand slam yesterday. He's in center, and Luke Maley is the catcher. He bats ninth. Alex Verdu goes back from his illness. He's in right. Rafi Devers in third. Justin Turner's at first. Masataka Yoshida, the DH. Rob Refsnyder in left. Jaron Duran in center. Kike Hernandez in short. And Manuel Valdez at second. And Connor Wong is the catcher, and he bats ninth. That's it for us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Go download the podcast. TC and Freddie interviews are already up, I'm told. Go listen to them. TC was great. As always, Buster Olney tomorrow. We'll see you then on DEV.